Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. And if you would, quickly turn me to the book of Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9. Zechariah 9 and 9 is a prophecy. Zechariah was a prophet. And he prophesied this prophecy over 400 years before Jesus Christ was born. So close to 500 years before Jesus Christ started his ministry on the planet, Zechariah prophesied these words. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. Now, he could have stopped there. He could have stopped right there and said, you know what? Your king's coming. But he wanted to get a little more specific. And he said, he is just and having salvation. He said, rejoice, Jerusalem. Rejoice, Zion, because your king, and I want you to read it here. It is a capital K in the New Testament, in the, in the Bible, in the King James Version, this is a capital K king. This is God. He's coming. And he has salvation. And then he gets a little more specific. He said he is lowly abased. He will humbly be riding on an ass. And upon a coat, the foal of an ass. Not only did he say the king was coming. Not only did he say he would have salvation. He even gave a description of what he would look like when he came in. He gave a description. He said, your king is coming. And over 500 years before this happened, he said, I'm even going to tell you how he's going to come in. He's going to come in on a donkey, a burrow. And we know what the Bible calls it. Amen. I want to preach to you simply this subject today. Your king cometh. Your king cometh. Amen. Let's pray together. God, I love you today. I worship you. I give you all praise and all glory. I ask you today that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds through your word today. And I speak it with all power and authority in this house. And would you lift your voice now and say in Jesus' name. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him your king's coming. Come on, tell somebody else, your king is coming. Your king cometh. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, praise team, music team. Thank you, Brother Stewart, for leading us in worship today. Man, what a powerful presence of the Holy Ghost that is here in this room with us today. I'm looking forward to tonight as well. I know tonight the Holy Ghost is going to move. We're going to have a great time. Amen. But we got to be back here in in just a little while, so let me be expedient today and get to my point. The Bible tells us in Zechariah that Jerusalem should get ready because 
the king is coming, not a king, not some king, but the king. Not uh, just a prophet foretold, not a good man, not just a person who will bring words of wisdom and knowledge to the generations, but the king is coming. Thy king is coming, capital K, king. The king is coming. He is just and he and he alone has salvation. How many know that salvation is only through Jesus Christ? For he said, no man cometh unto the father but by me. He said, if any man come any other way, he is a thief and a liar. Amen. I don't want to offend anybody today. And if you go to this church, you know that I'm very careful when I talk about other religions and other people who are out there worshiping their quote unquote God. Uh, but I would just like for a moment to tell you that you can call on Buddha, but Buddha ain't coming. Amen. Buddha can't save you. Buddha can't set you free. He cannot deliver you. He cannot bring you out of sin. You can call on Muhammad, but Muhammad ain't coming. You can call on Hare Krishna, but he ain't coming either. You can call on anybody you want to call on, but they can't save you. They cannot deliver you and bring you out. But if you call on the name of Jesus Christ... He said, all you got to do is call on my name, and I'm as close as the mention of my name. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I called on the name of Jesus. I tried everything else, but Jesus saved me. I tried everything else, but Jesus brought me out. I tried everything else, but Jesus made it all right. I tried everything else, but Jesus delivered my soul. I tried everything else, but there was only one name. I could call on that would bring me out of all the junk I was going through. I wish I had some help in the room today. I know his name is Jesus. And if you call on him today, he'll do for you what he did for me. Hallelujah. He is just and he, he has salvation. Hallelujah. But uh, Zechariah did not stop at the overview. Uh, there was a lot of prophets that give a general overview. Uh, even in today's world, there are many prophets that will give you a general overview. I've had many, quote, unquote, men of God speak into my life and give me a general overview. God loves you. I have a word for you. You know, I've been places before where I really needed a word from God. Like, I needed a word. Or, you know, it was about to get dark and dirty. I needed a word. And somebody come to me and said, I got a word for you. I'm like, oh, yes, please give me a word. And they said, God's going to bless you. That's kind of general. You know, like I need a word, you know. Like God's going to make a way out of no way. Okay. God told me to tell you he loves you and he's smiling down upon you. All right. I, I believe that. Thank you for that. But that's kind of a general overview. And he loves everybody, and he's smiling down on everybody. And so thank you for the word. I needed it. But I was looking for something a little more uh, direct. And there's many uh, prophets in the Bible that give a general overview of who God is and 
what God is and what God will do and thank God for the general overview. But there's sometimes in the scripture, I need a direct word. I need to know what you're talking about. I need uh, what we would say in our generation is I need some specifics. You have to break this thing down for me. I need line upon line, precept upon precept, A and B. Do you got some bullet points you could give to me? I need to know what you're talking about. Well, Zechariah does that for us in 9 and 9. Not only does he say he's coming, not only did he say he's just and he's having salvation, he said when he comes, he's going to be riding on a donkey. My goodness, I mean, that's fairly specific. I mean, if, if this is the king of kings and if this is the Lord of lords and this is the prince of peace, I, I, I don't think a donkey is sufficient for the king of kings. I mean, ain't you got a stallion somewhere that you can bring, let him ride in on? That would be like saying the president's coming and he's in a Ford Festiva. We'd all be like, what? Yeah, he's coming today to church. He's, he's in a Ford Festiva. They don't even make those no more. He's in a pinto. He's in a hatchback pinto. We would all be like, what? That ain't right. He, I mean, he needs to be in a, a limo. You know, he needs to be in a, something nice. But here, here's the king is coming, and he is lowly, humble. He is meek and humble, and he will be on a donkey. That's how the king is coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, your king coming. Your king cometh. He said he's coming, but he's humble and he's lowly and he's meek and he ain't coming the way you think he's coming. He's going to surprise you and the king's coming on a donkey. He's coming like a commoner. Now, close to 500 years later, we get to the book of Matthew chapter 21. Go there with me if you would. Matthew 21, this is kind of a lesson and a sermon today if you don't mind. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, this was Palm Sunday, they and were come to Bethpage under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say the Lord hath need of them. And straightway he sent them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded and brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their clothes and they set him thereon and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way and the multitudes that were before and that followed crying saying Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest. That was today. Today is the celebration of Palm Sunday. When the people cut down palm branches out of the trees and laid them on the way and held them in their hands and they waved the palm branches to him and they cried Hosanna 
in the highest. They cried, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. This was the prophecy. This was the king. This was the one. I want to just preach for just a moment. And I want to tell you that the king and the God that Zechariah talked about in Zechariah 9 and 9 was the Jesus of Matthew 21. He ain't Jesus Jr. He's not the third dude in the God squad. He's not part of a triune unity. He is one and his name is Jesus. I said he is one and his name is Jesus. The king the Yahweh the Jehovah Jireh the Jehovah Nisi and the Jehovah Rapha of Zechariah was the Jesus Christ of Matthew. Can I just do some good old Pentecostal apostolic preaching in the house on a Sunday morning? We're serving the one true God and his name is Jesus. The king of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. The great I am of the Old Testament is the king of the New Testament. The prince of peace of the Old Testament is the Jesus Christ of the New Testament. The king of kings and the Lord of lords the prince of peace and the fairest of 10,000 of the Old Testament is the Jesus Christ of the New Testament. He is the king. I said he is the king. He is the king. For in him, somebody shout in him, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For great are the mysteries of God that God robed in flesh came and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same in the beginning with God and the word became flesh. Jesus is God. I believe in one God, one faith, one baptism, one name. I know it's Old Testament, but it's still good today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy might and all thy soul. And you shall teach your children when they raise up. Teach your children in the way. Teach your children when they lay down. Bind it on your hand. Bind it on your head. Bind it on your heart. Hear, Our God is one. The capital K king of Zechariah is the capital J, Jesus of Matthew. It is him. He is here. And he's coming. Your king cometh. And uh, for the sake of time, I want to just get to my point today because I could keep on preaching for a long time. But I want to break it down here. The Bible tells us that when Jesus came in and Jerusalem is now accepting him as Hosanna. This is his affirmation. This is the moment where Jerusalem opens their hearts and minds to the fact 
that this Jesus, the one that we've watched open blind eyes and cause the lame to leap, this Jesus, uh, he is the Messiah. You see, all Jews were waiting on the Messiah. All Jews were waiting for Hosanna. Half of the Jews didn't think Jesus was the one because he didn't fit in their criteria. You see, they expected Jesus to come. They expected the Messiah to come with a golden chariot. They expected the Messiah to come and look like them. They expected Jesus to come and be a Pharisee. They expected Jesus to come and have on all of the apertures of the Levitical priesthood. They expected Jesus to come and stand in the place. You see, Jesus wasn't from the tribe of Levi. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is not from the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus was not born of Levi. Jesus was born of Judah. Hey, listen. I thank God for a church that has rules and regulations. Thank God for the, for the Levitical covering of a church. But God ain't coming through the Levitical covering. He's coming through the praise and the worship and the glory given to his name. Hey, we need the Levites, but we got to have Judah. The Lion of Judah's got to show up somewhere. I said the Lion of Judah's got to show up somewhere. Thank God for the Levitical covering of an apostolic church. But the Levitical covering ain't nothing if we ain't got some Judah in the house. Uh, this was uh, affirmation, Hosanna. King of kings, Lord of lords. But the problem is, is that Jesus is meek and lowly and he's riding on a donkey. Get this man a proper vehicle. He should be on a chariot. Revelation says when he comes back the next time, he's coming in on a white horse. Fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. Now, I don't know if I want to see that Jesus or not. I, don't, I want to be maybe behind him riding with him. It's going to be bad news for y'all. I am with you. How to ride a horse first. I'm just saying, I don't want to see that Jesus with the fire in his eyes on the white stallion with hair so white that it's almost crystal clear. And he's riding on the white horse with a sword in his hand and he's coming to judge the earth. But at this point, Jesus is not coming to judge, he's coming to save. He is not yet the judge, he is now the lawyer, he's the advocate. And he's coming in a humble way and he's riding on a donkey. Why? Why, Lord, would you come in on a donkey? Why, why would you do that? Why would you make your appearance as Hosanna? Why would you make your appearance as King of Kings on a donkey? Because a donkey's stubborn. I got any, I know I got my man Matt back here. Matt's a horse guy. I don't know if you follow him on Facebook, but that man's got some pretty horses. And, you know, he's riding, riding horses and whatever. Uh, but I, you know, I haven't seen the picture you got riding the donkey. I, just, I, don't, I don't understand that. I, you, you won't catch it. You ain't going to catch a donkey to ride on him. And if you get on him, you're coming off of him quick like and in a hurry. Now, you can ride a mule. Mule's a great ride. It's where you take a, a horse and a donkey and you marry them under the sight of God and holy matrimony. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then they produce a mule. It takes a horse and a donkey to produce a mule. Now, two mules can't make another mule. Can't do it. They're sterile, born that way. But you can take a donkey and a horse and make a mule. But Jesus ain't riding on a mule. He's riding on an old stubborn donkey. You don't, you don't ride a donkey. You, you lead a donkey. You know, you put stuff on a donkey's back. 
and you, and you basically pull him with you. You don't, you don't get on him. You don't sound. you never seen Lone Ranger on a donkey. Hide your silver away. You don't get this. It ain't, it ain't, that ain't the movie. That ain't in the movie. Because you don't ride a donkey. A donkey is a pack animal. It's stubborn. It's foolish. It doesn't want to listen. It doesn't want to learn. It is in the animal kingdom. In the animal kingdom, the donkey is the foolish animal. There's some folks who don't have the Holy Ghost who still call stubborn people by the name that the Bible gave the donkey. Because in our world, that word means ignorant. That word means stubborn. It means unruly, unlearned, untrained. It's a donkey, man. But Jesus said, when I come, I come riding on the unruly member of the animal kingdom. I want you to go with me very quickly to the book of James chapter 3. In the book of James chapter 3, verse 3, we learn about the unruly member of the body. You see, just like the world, the body has an unruly member. We have a member in our body who is stubborn. He is ignorant. He doesn't want to be learned. He doesn't want to be taught. Us as human beings, we, we, we have in our bodies an unruly member. James says, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm. Whithsoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and as it and it is set on fire of hell for every kind of beast and bird and of serpent and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of man, mankind. But the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly Poison, therewith bless ye God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. In the kingdom of the human body, we also have an unruly member. It's the tongue. James said, we've tamed everything. We've tamed every bird. We've tamed every animal. I don't know if you've ever been to SeaWorld before and seen Shamu, that big old joker. I mean, just swimming with folk, just jumping out of the water, and they just patting on the water and blow a whistle. And it, I couldn't even get my dog to do that. They got a killer whale to do that. Mankind has tamed everything, but it cannot tame the tongue. The tongue is in a slippery place. The tongue is the unruly member of the body. And when Jesus came into the city, when Jesus came into the fullness of Hosanna, when he came in, he came in riding on the unruly member of the animal kingdom. 
And when you receive Jesus into your heart and you receive God into your life, he comes in riding on the unruly member of your body. Listen, you don't receive the Holy Ghost in your mouth. You receive the Holy Ghost in your heart. But when the Holy Ghost comes in, he comes in riding on the tongue. Somebody shout, behold, your king cometh. Behold, your king cometh. I want to know, is there anybody in the room that's ever had Jesus ride in on their tongue and you begin to speak with a new tongue as the Spirit gave utterance? It just isn't a fad. It's not some kind of crazy religion. It's when Jesus comes in. He comes in riding on the unruly member of your body. You say, how do you know you got the Holy Ghost? Because when I got it, I got it speaking in tongues. I was watching a video one time of Donald McClurkin standing beside Benny Hinn. That was a sight. And they were standing on the stage, and, and Benny Hinn was up there, you know, in his white suit, his white shoes, everything white, white teeth is white. He's just, you know, whatever, and Donnie McClurkin is singing. And Donnie McClurkin said, I'm so glad I got the Holy Ghost. And you can see Benny Hinn's eyes. He said, he said, and somebody said, how, Donnie, how do you know you got the Holy Ghost? He said, because I got the Holy Ghost. How my grandma got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And Benny Hinn almost left that stage. He was like, Whoosh. Because the world and the religious people of the world say that tongues is uh, satanistic and, and, and it's a spirit and, and you shouldn't be speaking in tongues. And, and, and that's only for the pastor. You know, that's only for some people in the church. But listen, when Jesus comes in, he comes in riding on the unruly member. It ain't just for some of us. It's for all of us. It's for whosoever will. When you receive him into your heart, somebody ought to receive the Holy Ghost today on Palm Sunday. Behold, your king cometh. And when your king comes, he comes in riding on the unruly member of your body. How do you know you got the Holy Ghost? Because when it came because when the Holy Ghost came I spoke in a new tongue just like they did in the book of Acts just like they did in the New Testament. Uh, I promise I'm not preaching much longer. I don't say what I got to say. Number one, you need the Holy Ghost. And number two, when you get it, you're going to speak in tongues. That's not me. That's not my denomination. It's not my religious, you know, he's just, you know, that's just, uh, just, just because he's Pentecostal. No, that's because I'm biblical. That's what the Bible said. That, that, that's not just what I say. That's what the Bible said. The Bible says that Jesus said this in the book of Mark, chapter 16. Jesus said this. Jesus said, those that believe and are baptized, they'll be saved. Those that don't believe and are not baptized, they'll be damned. That's what Jesus said. Not me. That's what Jesus said. He said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall cast out devils in my name, and they shall speak with new tongues. Now, listen. Sometimes I wish Jesus could come in riding on my wallet. Just give the church $500, and you got the Holy Ghost. They do it on TBN all the time. They don't say it that way, but that's what they're saying. Send in your $1,000 seed. 
that would that would be better, wouldn't it, if, if Jesus would come in riding on the stallion? You know, let's 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 make Jesus full of pomp and circumstance. You know, maybe Jesus could come in riding on the Ferrari, you know. Maybe Jesus could come in my life riding on my status, riding on my education. Maybe Jesus could come in, you know, if I would just shake the preacher's hand. That, that would be easier. That would make more sense. But Jesus don't make sense. His economy is not my economy. There is a member in your body that is unruly and untamed. And the only man that can tame it is God. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive it by the evidence you don't re- tongues is not the Holy Ghost. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, tongues is not the Holy Ghost. Not. We have too many people believing that and preaching that. It's not the Holy Ghost. The tongues is the evidence. That donkey was not Hosanna. It was the man riding on it. The donkey don't mean anything. The donkey is a position of humbleness. It is a place of commonplace. It is when Jesus takes control of the untamable thing. He takes control of the unruly member of your body. He says, this is the evidence that I'm here. This is evidence that this is me because you can't do this by yourself. You can't control this. I take control. You speak in tongues. If you speak in tongues for 30 seconds or 30 minutes, it don't matter. I got no Bible for how long you got to speak in tongues. He just said the evidence is that you speak in tongues. There ain't a time limit on speaking in tongues. I heard you speak in tongues. Did you hear you speak in tongues? High five. You got the Holy Ghost. We make it so more complex and we make it so more harder for somebody to receive it. But when they feel God come into their heart and they release for just a moment and maybe say a few words in tongues, sometimes it surprises people and they stop themselves and say, whoa, what was that? That was God. You got him. That was him. Oh, whoa, what was that? That was him. That was him letting you know I'm in you now. I took control of the unruly member. And if it feels good to you, just keep on doing it. Just keep on saying it. Get it deep down in your heart. Go home. Go by your bedside. Get on a knee and speak in tongues all night long. Get full of the Holy Ghost. I'm finished. Music can come. This is not a religious message today. This is not an apostolic message today or a Pentecostal message today. This is a biblical message today. That God wants to live inside your heart. And these signs, these signs shall follow you if you believe. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And ye shall... Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 10, in Cornelius' house, in, in the house of Cornelius. And see, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to the Holy Ghost either. There's no, there's no place, no certain place you got to be standing, you know, on your knees, sitting down, you know, standing on one leg with one hand lifted up. 
Take everything out of your right pocket, put it in your left pocket. No. When you're ready for it, you're going to receive it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that Peter was in the house of Cornelius. And as he was preaching, literally as he was talking to the family and the family was all sitting around. I've been overseas and and, and I've been in that country. And they all just have a big rug. They all just sit on on the floor. And so I can see Peter. I can almost see the house he was in with the rug and, 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 and the, the mud walls. I can almost see that room because I've been in that room, you know, that, that world. And the whole family is just sitting in the common area. And, and, and Peter is, is probably sitting down with them with this, you know, sitting Indian style. And he's just talking. And as he's talking, everybody just begins to speak in tongues. That's what the Bible says, that as he preached... They all received the Holy Ghost. Wait, it didn't say they spoke in tongues. Keep reading. Keep reading. The Bible says that the Jews that were with Peter, they knew they received the Holy Ghost. How did the Jews know? Read it in Acts 10. The Bible says, and they knew that they received the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues. Why did God make tongues the evidence? So you would know. So I would know. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It is the sign. It is the evidence. I hope this doesn't embarrass her today, but I tell the story everywhere I go because to me it is, it is such a beautiful testimony of who and how God is. But one Tuesday night, standing right back in that foyer, concrete floors, Sonia, my dear friend, so sweet. Her heart was so right. There was no... There was no animosity in her comment. There was, no, there was no anger in what she said to me. It was just a pure heart. She said, Pastor, I love you. I love this church. I love what we're doing here. I feel it. She said, but, you know, I'm, I'm not speaking in tongues. You know, it's just, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm afraid of it. She said, the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, then you handle serpents. And, and I, I kind of laughed. I didn't want to laugh out loud because I knew that I felt the pureness of her comment to me. And there's some people in this room today, you, you have this pureness about you. You, you. you hear what I'm saying, but the tongue scares you to death. It just You don't understand it. You don't get it. I said, I said, Sonia, the Bible means accidentally. Like you'll pick up serpents and, and like by accident. Because like, when Jesus you know, is talking. He's talking to people who work in the fields and work outside and, and, and pick up barley harvest and there's always serpents and snakes in there and, and he's talking to people that live in that world and he said that when you receive the Holy Ghost you're going to speak in tongues and you can take up serpents and they will not harm you because it was very common for people to come in contact with snakes in that time and it's not so common anymore but it was common then and he said you can have this happen to you and if you have the Holy Ghost it will not harm you Paul did it. Paul picked up sticks. And as he picked up the sticks, there was a serpent in the sticks. He threw the sticks in the fire in the book of Acts. And the serpent jumped out of the fire and bit Paul. And the Bible says that Paul shook him off in the flame. I began to tell Sonia about that. I said, Sonia, listen, I'm never going to, you know, force you or pressure you speaking in tongues. That's not what we're about here. It's not what we're about. 
I said, you keep coming. You keep listening. You keep being a part of this church. Your family here. You are a part of Truth Chapel. You keep coming. You just keep showing up. Keep taking notes. Don't nobody take notes like Sonia does. She could, if, if you missed the message, ask Sonia. She got it all written down. A year ago, next Sunday. A year ago, next Sunday, on an Easter Sunday morning, standing right here, right here. Standing right here. Just praying at the altar. Sonia, just praying. God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. She began to speak in tongues. She came back to the room. She said, Pastor, I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost, Pastor. How did Sonia know she got the Holy Ghost? She knew because she spoke in tongues. That's how she knew. She knew it. She said, I want to get baptized. I said, let's baptize you. Baptize her in Jesus' name. Baptize Bubba. When Bubba came out of the water, he came out speaking in tongues. How did we know Bubba got the Holy Ghost? Because he spoke in tongues. Listen, church, I'm not trying to put my religious uh, opinion on you today. I'm not trying to just talk about this because I'm apostolic and Pentecostal. But I need you to know from my heart to yours that when you receive him, you will speak in a new tongue. That's Bible. That's not me. That's not my denomination. That's not my religious uh, twist on it. That is Bible. Your king cometh. Your king cometh. It's not spooky. We've made it spooky. I apologize. I apologize that we've made it spooky, but it's not spooky. I know we say Holy Ghost, and when you think ghost, I'm not talking about Casper. It's a spirit, the Holy Spirit. Only reason the Bible says ghost is because that ghost is a word that defines something that is there, but you can't see. It defines something that is real, but you can't touch it. It's, it's, I know it says ghost, but don't be afraid of that. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit. It's there, but you can't feel it. You can't touch it. You can't see it. It's intangible. And because you can't touch it, and because you can't feel it, and because you can't see it, how do you know you have it? He gives you a tangible a tangible, noticeable, recordable event. He gives you something that you know for a fact because many of you, just like me, have been in church before and felt God. I felt God today, but I didn't speak in tongues when I felt Him. I felt Him all around me. I felt Him in this place as we lifted our voice. As, as Brother Stewart sang, I'll never leave you. I'll be, I felt Him. I felt God like he, like he was right beside me saying it to me. I'll never, I felt, I know he's here. I know he's around me. But there's a difference when he's in you. And a lot of people have mistaken God's presence for God's infilling. There's a difference between God's presence around me and being, filling him around me than having him in you. It is the spirit that leads us into all truths. That's why sometimes doctrinally and even in the religious world, it's hard for us to understand some things until we have the Holy Ghost. When you have the Holy Ghost, the spirit leads you into all truths. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is power, that it gives you power. And there's some habits and some stuff that is hard for us to break until we have the Holy Ghost because you're trying to do it by yourself. But when the Holy Ghost comes in, the Holy Ghost gives you the power to actually do what you want to do. 
stand with me all over the room. I've preached for 40 minutes. I meant to preach for 30. I apologize for that. I want everybody in this room to know today that this is an apostolic church. This is a Pentecostal church. We believe in one God. We believe in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. We believe that you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues. But we don't believe those things because of what our name is. We don't believe those things because of the sign on our building. We don't believe those things because of the card I carry in my wallet. We don't believe those things because of my affiliation. I don't believe those things because of my political alliances. I believe those things. And we believe those things because I find them in the Bible. I can take you to line. I can take you to scripture. I can show you in the word time and time again where it's right. And I would be remiss today as a man of God and a pastor who's leading you to salvation and leading your soul to heaven. I would be remiss today to not tell you the truth and tell you everything. There are times here at this church when we preach about hope and and, and happiness and we preach about living a good life and we preach about a lot of good things. But on Sunday morning, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but on Sunday morning, I like to preach about salvation. I preach about salvation on Sunday mornings because there's people in the room that need to be saved. And I could preach to you, church, and make you happy, make you feel good. What if you had a lost loved one here today? What would you want me to preach? What if your lost child was here today, your lost husband or your lost wife or your lost cousin or uncle? They were sitting in this room today. And you wanted them more than anything in the world to experience what you've already experienced and felt and know to be true. What would you want me to preach today? How would you want me to take this role as pastor? Truth is one of those things that we all love. We love truth, but truth is a two-edged sword. And so truth without love is very dangerous. And today I've tried to preach truth in love. Speak truth, but speak truth in love. So today I've given you truth and I've given it to you in love. But at this point now, I'm out of the, I'm out of the game now. All I am is a messenger. Now the ball's in your court. I've given you the word. You know what God wants from you. You know what God wants to do in you. You know that God is not just happy being a God who's always stuck in this book. God doesn't want to be a God that's always stuck behind this pulpit. Something you hear about, read about. But he wants to be the kind of God that walks with you and talks with you, lives in your heart, gives you power, gives you ability to do what you can't do on your own, to walk with you and be with you. Don't take my word for it today. Don't take my word for it. Do what Sonya did. Take notes. Check me. Go home. Study it for yourself. Study it for yourself. I'm taking my word for it today. I could be lying. I'm not, but I could be. Study it for yourself. Learn it for yourself. And I promise you that if you will greet God with an open heart and open mind and say, God, this is for me. If, if this is for me, then I want it. 
if this is real and if this is for me, then I want it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I love you today. I thank you for your word today, God. I, I preach what I felt like you wanted me to preach today on this Palm Sunday. That the king comes. The king is coming. The king is here. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. God, today, you're not riding in on my wallet. You're not riding in on my status. You're not riding in on how smart I am or how educated I am. You're not riding in on my success. God, you come in on my only unruly member. God, I thank you that you showed me the truth of your word. And as every head is bowed, every eye is closed today, if you are here today and you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've never spoken tongues, but you would like to have that experience today, you say, yes, Pastor Chavis, that's me. I want the Holy Ghost. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come, not now. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.